Hallie. Hey, Julie. Welcome to the Rise for Educators podcast, the podcast where we share research-based tools that relate to empowerment, self-care, and all things education. Each week, we discuss the Rise system, a model we created to make it easy to identify which self-care tools are best for you. We also talk about the ladder, a tool that connects the dots between your mind and your body. I'm Julie. And I'm Holly. We are instructional coaches and sister-in-laws who decided to take our conversations about these ideas out of the corner of our family gatherings and put them into a podcast. Welcome to episode 32. Our topics for today are power shifting, the nuts and bolts of uplifting, and an uplift tool. So how are you doing, Hal? I'm good. How are you? Good. I listened to an amazing podcast yesterday. I haven't, as much as we podcast and I listen to podcasts, I've, I've like kind of been losing my patience for listening to things. I think it's just like generalized stress. But anyway, I listened to Brene Brown unlocking us the episode called burnout. And I was out for a long walk and I actually listened to the whole thing. And I, I like that podcast. I don't always love it. Kind of drug, drags on for me a little bit. But I loved the episode Burnout. It was two sisters, Emily and Amelia Nagowski, who had who wrote a book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And one of the sisters is a musician. The other is a sex therapist. And they had a lot of information. And I know you told me you, you listened to this. I did, um, yeah. <laughs> and... I, you know, sometimes it's your mood, but they talk about um, shifting yourself in the direction of peace by moving your emotions and your bodies. And the burnout is unlocking the, I guess the term I hadn't heard before is the stress cycle. We all talk about being stressed, but it really sheds some new and different light on it. I felt like I learned a lot from this episode that when you get stressed or when you feel something that it's not just like you feel it, you deal with and and it's gone. It, there's a cycle of like when, when an event happens in your life, I mean, this is my interpretation. So an event happens in your life and you feel something, you feel angry or sad or frustrated. And then oftentimes you kind of go on to something else. Like you feel it. It doesn't feel good. It's kind of in the back of your mind, mm-hmm. you go on to something else. You feel okay, but that event is still in the back of your mind. And you, and a- according to these gals, it's, there's a cycle of stress and that you need to be cognizant of moving these emotions through our body to cycle them through so that they can release similar to, um, in nature animals, um, like after a fight or, um, they talk, I don't know, they talk about, I don't even know what they're talking about, like lions or something that they like shiver. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that part? Like, and that's like the, have, their yeah. body, like releasing the stress and that humans, because we have so many also cultural norms about how we behave that we always kind of keep our shit together yeah. and it's not okay to do that. And that I think, you know, if we were to evolve into really dealing with our emotions, just acknowledging that our emotions are in our body and that they have to be released. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that when your emotions get stuck, they get some stuck someplace in your body and they can manifest disease. And I do believe that. And they talked about how, so how do you do this? You know, you have these emotions, you move on with your life. How do you know you've completed the cycle? And they talk about very basic things like that. We talk about walking and moving, moving your body is mm-hmm. the biggest release of emotions until you really kind of feel yourself kind of almost like you can feel yourself kind of like lift up. Um mm-hmm 
what was interesting is one of the sisters says walking is her go-to tool, which that is my go-to tool and breathing. And, mm-hmm. um, but the other sister said, you know, that doesn't work for me. Moving doesn't work for me. And she is, I believe the musician. And she said, creating, and that also creating like whether you're uh, whatever, whatever you're, you know, taking pictures or you're um, crafting or you're knitting or you're drawing yeah. or you're journaling yeah. or you're writing or you're podcasting, like that creative energy moves things through your body as well, of course, as moving, walking and breathing. And, um, and then they talk about if you don't do that, you get stuck, which brings us to like our Justin Sinceri episode of when you get stuck on your um, nervous system ladder. You just feel crappy. And so just, so I was really trying to acknowledge emotions and trying to think about it as a cycle that I need to move through these emotions so that, uh, you know, people say like, move through your emotions. Well, how do you do that? So anyway, I, it was amazing. Brene Brown unlocking us burnout, uh, was the episode based on their book, burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle. And they ended with one of the, uh, (laughs) Brene Brown. I don't know if she does this for every episode. Do you know? Like she was, I don't them. know. No, I, I, she asked something at the end, but I like you, I don't listen to all of her episodes yeah. um, and I don't always make it to the end, but I, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, so she asked them like, I guess maybe they give her, the, her the, their playlist, like three or four songs. And then she says, what does your playlist say about you? And then they kind of went through the songs. Well, this is what this means to me. And I think it was the musician and on her playlist was um, Disney's. Uh, Polynesian resort music that they play in their Poly- in their resorts, like on a loop. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, so of course I had to look up in Spotify, and here's a sample. So I'm adding that to my playlist. <laughs> I feel like I'm on spring break. I get it. I love it. I was like, I never would have thought to like look. Uh, like a Disney resort music up, but I mean, Hey, we all need a little bit of levity. So I'm like, that's relaxing and kind of fun. So who knew Disney's has their different resort music on Spotify play music. So there's my check-in. That's awesome. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I I really did like that episode too. And it's so funny because we hadn't really talked about that too much. Like we didn't know we each other had uh, listened to that episode, but I agree. I really liked it too. And one of the things that um, I think I've understood through our whole process of doing this is that, you know, your emotions do get stuck in your body. And if you don't, if you kind of ignore it and just say, okay, it's fine. I'm just moving on, which I think we're often culturized kind of to do. um, Mm -hmm. It sticks with you. And it's like, if you don't deal with it now, it's going to come back on that loop later. So you just got to get it out there and, you know, be cognizant. We talk about kind of naming the emotion. I know that's what that Mm -hmm. research says. Um, But then also, I think that that partner part about like working it through to reset your body it's not like a nice to have, it's a must have unless you want to kind of revisit it again. So yeah, I, I was thinking at the beginning of the year was like such a stressful start to the year. And I haven't experienced that much stress at once in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really helpful to know this kind of, they call it like that, this idea that your body holds on to stress um, is called somatic experience, I think. Mm-hmm. And So having that knowledge and like being really cognizant about what was happening was crucial, I think, in being able to work through it and not hold on to that stress. So like 
currently I think I'm in a little better place than what some people at school are at. And I think that could be for a whole host of reasons, but um, I was not at the beginning of the year. Well, at the beginning, beginning of the year, I kind of started in a good place, but ended up not in a great place, but I was really cognizant about every day coming home and doing something like yoga or walking. And a lot of times at that time I was walking a lot and I would get to like my three mile loop and mm-hmm. I'd be like, Nope, it's still there. Like I can still feel it. I feel yeah. the stress. And then I would continue for another two miles until I was really like, okay, it's like, I've worked it through. It's gone. But I think, um, just that awareness that like, that's what was happening was hugely helpful. And I do think has paid some dividends down the line. You know, and another thing that this, that what I learned on that Brene Brown episode or that a different um, lens is when we all, they said, it's not self-care, it's all care. Yeah. That a lot of us, and I hate to say this, but I think it's especially women, we do kind of take care of ourselves, right? We go for walks and we True. try to eat healthy and we go out with our girlfriends, but she said, said that's not good enough. It needs to be all care. And I, you have to be all caring for whoever you're living with and whoever you're working with which kind of ties into our episode today about uplifting others. Um, because if you just take care of yourself and you go on your walk and you eat healthy and, um, but you go home and the rest of your household isn't in alignment with that and they're not supporting you and you're not supporting them, maybe not intentionally, it negates it. And yes. I think that, especially when we are all stuck in our homes right now, more than ever, like that's an issue and there's more people yeah. living together. And so, and that's hard because it's hard to get people on board for an all care plan, but yeah. to say like the people that you live with and work with and your, um, you know, your spouse, your kids, whoever, that you need to develop an all care plan because yeah. self-care isn't enough. Yeah. And, and a plan that goes all ways. Yeah. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that idea. And I think kind of thinking about the people you live with, You know, like you may live with somebody who really needs that physical release on a regular basis and recognizing that it's especially hard, I think, when you have little kids to because somebody kind of then, you know, has to, um, I think, be in charge of the kids while the other person is taking care of themselves. But I think making sure that you have like a give and take, like I know my husband, Rick, is super social. And so this pandemic has been really hard as far as like that limiting the social piece. So like this has made me realize more than ever, like he needs this to be happy. And so figuring out ways that we can do this. And, um, you know, I think that's been, yeah. And that like ties right in. Yeah. I was thinking when everyone gets home, um, when we're all together, um, for the holidays, you know, just like when Grace gets home from school, um, that I think it'd be great to think about like an all care plan and Mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone's going to be thrilled. (laughs) Hey guys, (laughs) my family tends to be like, really interested in that but um but nonetheless I think it's like just like you saying like what does your spouse need what do your kids need what does your roommate need you know what do your coworkers need yeah for them it's not all about us like yeah. sort of broadening that like spreading that care I just thought yeah. that I just loved that episode so I love that too yeah that's really good um oh okay so my check-in is just that I had COVID mm-hmm. last week and I totally did not know I had it Um, I just thought I had a cold and it kind of took me a long time to get tested. And when I finally got tested, I just was assuming they were going to call and say that I was negative, but then they said I was positive. I was a little bit like, whoa, oh, this is like a weekend. I'm not surprised because I think when I talked to you, because when we tried taping this episode the first time, which went out into the cloud, you had, you were losing your voice. 
Yeah. Yeah, I did. I lost my voice. And I, I was, was like, sneezy. oh, I bet you have COVID. Because I think anyone I know who's gotten it, it has been fortunately like a cold. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people get like... it a lot cold with some achy, which it sounds like that's what you had. Yeah. 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 Um, so I do feel really grateful that yeah. it wasn't worse than that. Yeah, and sure. um, I'm okay. yeah. 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 So, and uh, just a side note, um, I know we, we've taped this episode like three times. I know. <laughs> we lost We're really going to uplift we everyone like, this time. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, but anyway, one little tidbit that I do think that I said maybe the first time, but I do think it's really important is um, there was a science study that came out that said the average human temperature is decreasing. So we usually think that 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit is yeah. the, like, you know, that's your healthy, that's your normal temperature. But every time I go to the doctor, I'm like, hmm, I'm always in the 97s, but come to find out that they've done some studies and um, they found that the average temperature is really between 97.5 and 97.9 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was even true in this little Bolivian rural village that had very little outside connection to the outside world. Because I think a lot of times we'll say like, oh, it's like our diet or, you know, it's uh, societal influence on whatever, you know, um, or like air conditioning or whatever. But um, even in this little village that didn't have all of these amenities and, you know, had more of like a back to basics diet, they also were seeing a decrease in their temperature. That's hmm. just a little tidbit. Yeah. That's interesting. interesting. I'm because I get my temperature taken at school, probably like at least once a week. Do you get your temperature taken when you go into school? No, we're supposed to do it before we go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The nurse takes, yeah. the nurse takes our temperature. It's actually a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, what's my temperature? What's your temperature? But I'm always uh, on the cooler side. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. okay, so today we are focusing on an S tool <laughs> to enhance our social connections to other people by uplifting and empowering them. So our first topic is power shifting. So power shifting is about reimagining power in relationships or in groups. Every group or relationship has a power dynamic. Sometimes it's hidden, other times it's more apparent. What would it look like to shift some of the power? How would that change how we do things in schools, with our own kids, with our spouses, in our friend groups, or in our professional groups? The conversation would look a little bit different than do it because I said so, or do it because those are the rules, or do this because I've worked here the longest, or I have a higher position. Yeah, that's true. And in today's Mm -hmm. world, like we're having a lot of really good discussions about empowering people. Um, beyond, you know, maybe our inner circle, um, and people that haven't traditionally had a voice. So like in this case, not only kids, but, or, you know, coworkers, but entire groups of people from different Mm -hmm. races. Um, I've also seen this play out where there's like new teachers on a team. Mm -hmm. And I think teams, a lot of times, maybe by, it's like, oh, by default, we're just going to do things how we've always done them. They've, it's worked for us. Um, But I think when there are new players in the game, it's important to kind of like take hold, maybe reset, actively seek out people's voices to try to make it a safe dynamic where everyone can feel really invested. Mm -hmm. So in our interview with Barbara Gruner, uh, Barbara mentions the term balcony people who balcony people are people who cheer you on, but they also challenge you and force you to think from the top of your brain. They lift your eyes from the path right before you. 
They elevate your level of thinking and they raise you up mentally so that you can see farther down the road. So how can we do this with our students, our colleagues, or other people um, in our lives? Yeah. And I think that brings us to the nuts and bolts of uplifting. So today we're going to talk about that acronym uplift and what you can do to be a balcony person and uplift other people in your life. So uplifters get energy from empowering other people. So let's start with the U in the acronym uplift. U is about unboxing other people's potential. Have you watched any of those YouTube videos where people um, get packages in the mail and they unbox them? It's been a huge phenomenon on YouTube. Why do we like watching this? Maybe it's the mystery behind what's in the box, the anticipation of it. Well, when you're an uplifter, you look at another person as a box of amazing potential. You are genuinely interested in knowing that other person, what they think, what they like, and what makes them tick. You look to understand where the person has come from and you're touched by their story. You would look to unwrap their strengths and see how these strengths could lead to a beautiful future. Uplifters unbox people, giving them a fresh start and an open road of opportunity. Maya Angelou said, I believe every person is born with talent. Uplifters believe this and actively look for these talents. Yeah. And I think like from thinking about it from our students, um, you know, especially now we have a lot of kids that are either checking out or struggling to turn in assignments. I think they don't have the normal structure in place um, Mm -hmm. that they might have at school. So that's been even more difficult for them. You know, so and I know that's been a huge source of frustration for a lot of teachers in our building. And I get it like 100 percent. Right. Yeah, it's hard, you know. But taking that conversation and kind of thinking like, okay, this is a student, like, let me reframe and look at it from a strengths base or, you know, look at it from a potential base. Like this student has so much amazing potential mm-hmm. and, you know, like, uh, what can I do to get to know him or her better to unbox that potential so right. that, you know, and unleash it so they can really get to a new place. But I think getting through that frustration and back to that hopefulness that's like a really important shift in this Mm -hmm. uplifting. Yeah. Okay. The next in uplift is P and uplifters praise people. So um, brain studies have shown that we respond as humans to social approval, much the way that people might respond to monetary rewards. And it kind of lights up an area in our brain Mm -hmm. feels good. Um, But there's certain kind of praise that leads to more helpful outcomes. So, Effective praise has a few few characteristics. It's usually effort-based or process-based as opposed to natural ability praise. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying like, you are just naturally awesome at math, you're such a math person, switching the praise to uh, value, valuing their effort. Like you, I could see you really worked hard through that problem or you, mm-hmm. you really put a lot of effort into study for that math test. I think that reminds me a lot of the... Um, growth mindset stuff that Carol Dweck has done. But the interesting piece is that there is research that supports that and there's brain research. Mm -hmm. Um, 
they talk about how mastery praise is much like individual mastery praise is much more important than comparison praise. So instead of praising someone for having, you know, the doing the best or winning, winning their event, praising them for getting their best time or making personal improvements Mm -hmm. is a more uh, grounded way to go about it. And I think that's true. Once you get the comparison piece, like it's, it's great when you're on the top of the comparison, but it kind of, sets up that dynamic that you're um, you constantly have to live up to what other people are doing, Mm -hmm. which is, I think that people pleasing part in our society. Yeah. Um, And then praise that is specific, which we've all heard that before, right. That specifically describes that noteworthy behavior Mm -hmm. instead of just like a general good job, being more specific, like the way that you use that adjective slick to describe the metal steps as you walked up the diving board, like that was an awesome way to build suspense. It takes a lot more words, but I Mm -hmm. think that it is much more impactful. Right. And I think we've, I feel like as teachers, I don't know about you in your district, but I feel like we've had a lot of PD in the last few years about giving very specific, authentic feedback um, to help kids grow. Yeah. And I, my default response is, oh my gosh, I love that. And I'm, I genuinely mean that. Um, but I really tried to hone in on not saying those generic statements, or if I do say it, like really paying attention to something specific, um, that a student is doing or that someone's doing. And which kind of brings us to the L because in order to do that, you need to listen and you need to pay attention in order to give that very authentic praise or feedback, um, which is, um, the, the next letter in the acronym uplift after you unbox and praise uh, listening um, is the next step. So have you ever noticed how you listen? Do you listen to understand or do you listen to respond? The next time you're listening, notice what your brain is doing. Once you shift from listening to understand to listening to respond, you start shutting the door on the opportunity to authentically hear and learn from the other person. There are a lot of pro tips online about how to appear to be a better listener, using eye contact, mirroring the other person's movements. But if you're an uplifter, it's more about really listening because you truly value the, this person and what they have to say. Yeah, the other way always seems so fake. Like whenever I read those online, like yeah. oh, mirror the other person's movements, look them in the eye, like it, it's very... Um... And it just seems so prescribed, whereas getting to that, right. that lower, you know, the deeper level of like, hey, like, I'm going to listen to you because I am really interested in hearing what you have right. to say. And then I think when you're doing that, naturally, you're looking at them and you might naturally be mimicking them and you might be nodding your head, but the, the authentic listening comes first. Yeah. Not the other way around. Yeah. So uplifters are authentic listeners. They do this by being 100% present when people talk and their responses show this by either paraphrasing what the person said, such as what I think I'm hearing you say is, is that right? Or um, they might show that they were listening by asking a question such as, can you help me understand? Or what does it mean when you say, why is this important when uplifting someone? One of the most effective ways to build psychological safety is to let people know that they are heard which is a natural byproduct of authentic listening. Yeah. And I think, you know, this sometimes is easier said than done. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I, 
I'm constantly crafting my response and I'm like, Oh, am I going to remember that when that person says it? But um, some mm-hmm. of the coaching PD that we've had has kind of centered around it. And it is definitely a shift to just really be in the moment and listen to the person where mm-hmm. they are. Um, I think, I don't know if you guys have ever been in like a first grade classroom, holy moly, you, you're like fielding so much, inf- so many questions and responses and comments. It's hard to be like authentically in the moment and mm-hmm. really listen to each child as they're talking. Um, but there are certain teachers that I notice do this amazingly. And I don't know how they do it because it, again, it's like amid chaos. Like you've got all this yeah. input. Coming they must in. be good multitaskers. Yeah. I think sometimes, yeah, primary teachers can be really good at like scanning a room and, or scanning a situation and being able to sort of keep up with a lot of different moving parts. Yeah. Yeah. But especially those teachers that can like really be in the moment, listen to every word that child's saying, despite mm-hmm. the fact they've got other kids that are saying things or yeah. other things that are going on. It's, it's pretty remarkable to see. Um, but I think when you do this to kids, you kind of give them that message that you really matter. Your words really matter. You know, I'm a hundred percent in it. I've even seen teachers, you know, before as kids are talking, they'll be like, you know what? Or even adults, like, you know, I'm going to write that down. Like, Mm-hmm. I value your words so much. I was listening so clearly that I, you know, they're important to me. I'm going to put them on paper. Um, I, I just think it's a way to kind of shift the power dynamic. So a, a relationship that is usually more um, like, you know, the teacher has the power, the students in the class are um, at kind of a, a lower power level in a typical classroom. When you do that, I think it shifts that power dynamic a little bit and sends messages to your students Mm -hmm. that they have meaningful and important things to say. Right. Yeah. Okay. So now we've done the U for unbox potential, P for praise, L for listen. So now we're on to I, which is include. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uplifters are really good at including people. And there's been a lot of research on how we respond to people, both in our heads and outwardly based on if we perceive them to be part of our in-group or in primitive times that was like part of our tribe. And when we do, you know, we put those people kind of on an equal level with us in our group. Um, We respond a little differently to them. And I think we're more likely to offer these people our time and the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. So as an uplifter, if you can frame the situation in your mind as this person is in your group and you're equal, Um, And thinking about that, like in all of your different relationships, that just naturally shifts this power dynamic and you put yourself in a different mindset and, you know, you are more likely to include them in the conversations and decision making. Mm -hmm. I think including is so important. It's something that, you know, human nature is we have our groups and we don't always include outside people, whether that's with ourselves and our friends and our colleagues. Yeah. Uh, students are, our students are doing the same thing. They have, so you have that very like um, innate human dynamic of how we work in groups. And there is something to being a part of a group and not being a part of a group and being a part of For a sure, group sure. where people aren't all a part of your group and how that feels. I yeah. think, but I think it's something, you know, on many different levels, like as you're teaching remotely or in person to think about how can we teach students how can we teach kids the importance of including um like you know really um without just saying okay you be in this group nope you have to work with that person 
you know, because that always kind of, it doesn't go over so well. Yeah. I think this is almost the base of psychological safety. Like when you feel connected and included, yeah, it's like you can build from there. Right. And I always say, you know, it's that social circle. Um, If you're standing and talking in a social circle, open it up, you know, you know, take, be, be the person that scans the room and notices people that are needing a spot and be intentionally an includer, which is what an uplifter would do. Yeah. Um, So after the I, we have the F, which is for feature. Uplifters publicly feature or raise your profile in a community. Uplifters find opportunities to promote your ideas, whether or not you are there to hear it. An uplifter would say, so-and-so shared an awesome idea with me about something. And they would give credit to that person and voice support for them and admiration for their idea. I think this is like such a powerful thing that you can Mm -hmm. do to support somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, if you're in an in-group, whatever that is, you kind of send messages to other people in your in-group and open up the circle when you feature somebody else's ideas. It kind of just legitimizes the status of that other person that isn't in the group and makes uh, other group members a little bit more, kind of greases the wheel, makes them a little bit more open. Um, So I'm thinking like even that student teacher dynamic, like I could say, hey, you know, when you said this in class, like I shared this idea with this other teacher or the principal Mm -hmm. and it's like just a power or, or my other class of students, it's just a really powerful way to boost a student's confidence, I think. Right. And I mean, again, just with anyone, when you feature somebody, you know, when someone says, oh, you know what, like I was, you know, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to talk to so-and-so, but they're doing amazing things and they did this and that. It's just such a positive vibe that, you know, you're really looking to uplift somebody else. And it's just a nice thing to do, whether you're doing it with students or you're teaching them how to feature each other. Um, I just think it's a, a real positive thing. Yeah, I think it a little bit speaks to your character too. So that yeah, I always yes, think that exactly. interesting is like when somebody does this, I always think like, gosh, they're they're um, they are not very ego driven. Like they are right. willing to be supportive, and and if they are in this situation, they're more likely to in other situations too. Right. Um, okay, so the last letter T is for trust, and as an uplifter, and sometimes this is one of the hardest things. You just have to trust the person, mm-hmm. whether you trust their decision or trust them to take action. And I think feeling that somebody trusts you can lead to really great dividends. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, even if you look at the neurological level, so when we feel somebody trusts us, our brain is more likely to release oxytocin, which has been shown to improve in performance. So if you want somebody to perform at a higher level, like your students or a colleague, or if you're a coach, an athlete, um, trusting them can add some fuel to their performance. Uh, and there was a really interesting study that Paul Zak talks about in his book, Trust Factor, The Science of Creating High-Performance Companies. And it said that employees that work for companies where they feel trusted were found to have higher productivity rates, less burnout, more energy, less stress, and higher life satisfaction, which hmm. is like the whole enchilada. <laughs> right, right. You are just sense. happier somebody if, if, you're, if yeah. you feel trusted in your job. And so I think if it can work for employees and companies, it can definitely work for teachers. 
at schools or students in classrooms where they feel trusted. Right. And of course, it you know, it takes a lot to build trust and, and you know, everyone has different comfort levels with trust. I see trust here. If you're going to be an uplifter and you choose someone to uplift and you go through these steps, I see the trust piece being I, if I'm uplifting somebody, I as the uplifter, I trust that by unboxing, praising, listening, including, um, I trust that that person will embrace that in their own way. And I don't have, they don't have to prove to me, Mm. you know, I'm not looking for a result for myself. If I'm a true uplifter, I trust that my positive energy and love towards this person in this situation will manifest in the way it needs to manifest. And I may never see the results and that's okay. Yeah. I love what you're saying there because that's true. It's like, it doesn't have to happen on our timeline or because I did this, like the Mm -hmm. cause and effect is now you're going to do this. Right. Or like, well, I, you know, I tried to help you with this and I trusted you and I listened to you and now I want to see the product. Like, yeah. It's then you weaponize it almost. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So how can you be an uplifter? Try out the uplift tool, pick someone in your life that you want to empower and use the uplift acronym. Let's try it with a student. Okay. So U is for unbox their potential. So as an example, I might say, even though Holly is not showing up on camera during our Zoom meetings and is not turning anything in, I know that she has tremendous potential box inside. I'm excited to learn about it. How can I get to know her better about what makes her tick? I may even think inside this person's box is a tremendous future. Maybe a CEO of a company, a humanitarian, or an amazing family woman. What can I do to unbox it? Okay, so then P is for praise them. I like the background you chose for your avatar, Holly. Start small. Maybe follow it up with an unboxing question like, why did you choose it? Okay. L is for listen to them. When you're in a conversation with them the next time, listen to understand instead of respond. What I think I'm hearing you say is that you weren't able to complete your assignment because you had a lot to do. Am I getting that right? And the key here is no judgment. I is include them. Your input here is really important. I want you to feel comfortable with the solution that we land on. Do you have any ideas, Holly? <laughs> I'm just using you. <laughs> I know. Holly. <laughs> no ideas. I'm out. <laughs> um, F is for feature them. Think about what you would say about this student to other people. Is there a way that you could feature him or her in a really positive light to the student's parents or to other staff members? And T is trust them. Once the plan's in place, trust the student to put it into action. You are so resourceful. I trust that you'll follow through on the plan. Will it always happen? No. Part of trust is knowing that this is really a process and it may take some time to work. Okay. So the challenge for the week is pick somebody in your life that you want to uplift. Have fun with it. You know, dream big and do your uplifting thing. See if you notice any differences in the person. As always, we believe all tools are most powerful when personalized, so make it your own. This week is all about uplifting someone in your life. Let us know how this tool worked for you. Please email us at riseforeducators at gmail. Check out our tools on Twitter and Instagram at riseforeducators. 
We would really love to hear for you from you. And thanks so much for tuning in and join us next Monday for our next episode of Rise for Educators. Bye, Julie. Bye, Hal.